0: All right, here we all are. This is the season of Advent. Uh, this is a community. I always, uh, when talking to people about Advent, I always say this is a community that finds uh, Easter much easier <laughs> and Lent. But uh, we're pushing into Advent because there's some gold in there, and sometimes we need antidote to all of our cumulative cynicism. So you know, hope and possibility. It's the season of waiting and anticipation. And this Advent is kind of a continuation of our series on the Bible where we've been trying to approach the text with curiosity and openness. Um, We've realized through our series that by listening to voices in the margins of the story and from the margins of our society, we hear things that that we otherwise might miss. And so this Advent, we're using the lens of the arts, um, Midrash, which if you'd like to know a little bit about Midrash, you can listen to teach teach talk about it a couple of weeks ago, Tish teach, teach about maybe, um, who, uh, explained what womenist Midrash was and how that might shine a light on our text. Uh, we've been using poetry and images and song, um, Pastor Rod and Songwriter Rod had a war earlier in the week, apparently, um. If you missed that, you can look on the Facebook page and find out what that was all about. I love both of them; I can't choose. Uh, so today we're going to take a little um, walk through a couple of passages, and we're going to sit with them as a community. But we're going to sit with them alongside poetry and art and wonder. i um, will post this again on Facebook or send it an email or whatever. But uh. We just thought we'd, it might just be worth outlining a few of the questions that were used as, as we sat with Scripture this Advent, questions of curiosity. These are, um, this is a toolkit for those playing at home. Questions that we can ask as we approach the text that might help us open up the story rather than shut it down. So some of the questions we've been toying with are, who's in the story but not named? Who's mentioned but mentioned least? Who acts and who is acted upon? And what are the implications for them? Who will we be most likely to forget in the story? Who's vulnerable in the story? Who has the most to lose? What might they be feeling that isn't made plain? Whose thoughts and feelings are invisible in the story? And what cultural implications might we be missing? So, maybe if you are playing at home and choose to pick up your Bible, you could carry some of these tools alongside and sit with them and ask those questions of the text and see uh, what possibilities there are, what voices there are that we might be missing. So, we're going to start with reading number one. Um, today is kind of coming in two acts. Uh, we're focusing on Mary today in Advent as the bearer of so much of Advent. And. It's coming in two acts because in the first half we're looking at Mary's vulnerability and the second we're looking at Mary's strength, both of which are pretty huge features in this story. So um, here we go. And here's a piece of art which is going to come to play as well as we read. So Tisha's going to read section number one for us.
1: Six months later the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a young woman named Mary. She was engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. Upon arriving the angel said to Mary, rejoice highly favored one, God is with you, blessed are you among women. And Mary was deeply troubled by these words and wondered what the angel's greeting meant. The angel went on to say to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You'll conceive and bear a son and give him the name Jesus. His dignity will be great and he will be called the only begotten of God. God will give Jesus the judgment seat of David, his ancestor, to rule over the house of Jacob forever and his reign will never end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I have never been with a man? And the angel answered her, "The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you; hence the offspring will be born will be called the Holy One of God. Know too that Elizabeth, your kinswoman, has conceived a child in her old age. she was thought to be infertile, she who was thought to be infertile, is now in her sixth month. Nothing is impossible with God." Mary said, I am the servant of God. Let it be done to me as you say.
0: So as we sit with this text, um, one of the things we acknowledged earlier in our Bible series is that these recollections, these theological rememberings, were recorded by dudes. (laughs) Dudes from another culture quite a long time ago with a particular set of interests and agenda, and I don't mean that agenda word negatively, but just that everyone's got a story to tell and see things, sees things from a different angle. But sometimes, because it was written by dudes in a particular culture with particular ideas, we miss certain things, we miss certain voices, we miss certain angles. So we're gonna take a few questions from our toolkit. Um, and just discuss them for a moment. Who's in the story but not named? Who acts and who is acted upon? And what are the implications for them? Who's vulnerable in the story? Who has the most to lose? What might they be feeling that isn't made plain? So have a think about those questions for a moment in the context of this. And then let's open it up and see... What we notice the way this works is um yeah as people have something to respond you can just raise your hand and i'll run the microphone over to you and you have to promise to hold it close enough to your mouth for people to be able to hear
2: So, what stands out to you in a lot of those questions?
3: Well, there's an awful lot happening to Mary without her consent <laughs> and choice. Like, she hasn't decided to have a child. That's happening to her. That's going to cause all sorts of problems for her. Um, so, it's been sort of told as like a you've got this privilege of carrying the son of God, but um, everybody else doesn't know that. So she's going to seem like an unwed, yeah, young woman.
2: There's some power dynamics in there. Uh, I thought it was really
4: interesting that Mary's reaction to the angel arriving was to be deeply troubled. Um, even though the angel is kind of saying things like "Rejoice" and "You are blessed," Mary's like,
5: "What?"
4: Um, so yeah, like like Jackie said, this is something that's being done to Mary. She doesn't. She hasn't asked for it. She's not choosing it. Um, and all, like, so many questions. Why is she the one that's been chosen? Why, what she, what about her has made her find favour with God? Um, like, why is it, why isn't, why is it, like, her engagement to, jo- is it her engagement to Joseph, who's of the house of David, that's important? Um, like, yeah, she's she's very much a, a, a pawn in this kind of plan. She's not. She doesn't have a lot of agency,
2: apparently. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I'm um, favour with God, like
6: aren't we all his favourites? <laughs> or what did she do to get favour for God? So I won't do that, so I go and get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so what was that favour? How did she find that favour with God
2: is my question.
7: Um
0: I went to a Catholic school growing up and there was many, many times that um there was a message given on um on Mary's yes to the angel. And um I've only just now realised as a couple of people have said that well, there's not much of a yes. She wasn't actually asked, she was told. And that changes the dynamic dramatically. And yeah, as as you just said this was written by a dude, and I feel like only a dude could write that and then and then celebrate Mary's yes. <laughs>
2: I find the last, the very last line
8: intriguing because it's kind of passive and active at the same time. So it's like, let it be done to me. So it's like upon Mary, but she's saying, yeah, let it be done. I'm a servant of God. Like it's this real sort of weird contention and I, I, don't, I don't know how to take that. Yeah.
0: It's almost like there's two lenses on the story. One is, yeah, like... I mean, if we take her voice seriously, then her saying yes is powerful and strong. And if we look at her vulnerability, then we go, are you being coerced? Like, there's two really strong possibilities that sit side by side that kind of aren't resolved in this bit of the text. I don't know,
2: are we allowed to question the whole concept of the virgin birth?
3: I don't know who I am to allow this, but for this Yeah, for the sake of this discussion, like, it's possible that it wasn't a virgin birth and that she became pregnant another way. And if she became pregnant another way, that's a really devastating story. She's got, like, a story of devastation on her. So I wonder if that's the case. Is this an alternative redemptive story of hope? Like declaring like hope and good things over this child that could be seen as discarded. So I wonder if, yeah, I wonder if it's some kind, yeah, I don't know, that kind of changes it for me if it's a story of devastation but then there's this angel that's like no this child is like favoured with God and good and meant to be here even though it could be a story of devastation
0: very interesting cool oh go on then I can't say no to Meg <laughs>
8: um I think i uh, just playing out uh, as cat us last week which I've loved and have talked about all week so thank you Um, I guess just trying to think about who else is in Mary's life other than Joseph that is affected or interested in this piece of news, her family and community and yeah, this is not just about her. And I mean, she, I would presume is the victim of that feeling of the community, but also this means something for her wider family and the people around her as well.
0: We're going to read a piece of poetry now by a woman called Jane Richardson, who, if you haven't encountered her work, um, Kat Finn and I are both mildly in love with her. She's the best. She's pretty awesome. Um, We're going to read um, the second half of this passage, um, and then we'll read some poetry which she adds to this. As we think about Mary after this point, first trimester, um, I've had this up close but second hand twice now. It ain't pretty. <laughs> it's sweaty and achy and sleepless and nauseous and all kinds of things. And I just want us to sit with first trimester Mary now as we enter into the second passage which the world's favorite number two Warwick is going to read. With that, the angel left her. Within a few days, Mary set out and hurried to the hill country to a town of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. As soon as Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, And blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why am I so favored that the mother of the Messiah should come to me? The moment your greeting reached my ears, the child in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed that what our God said to her would be accomplished. This is Jan Richardson's preamble to her poem. The Archangel Gabriel has extended his astounding invitation. Mary has given her astonishing yes. Now she is alone, suddenly, entirely, dangerously alone, save for the unlikely child she now carries. She flees towards her kinswoman, toward refuge, towards sanctuary, in the home of Elizabeth, in the company of her cousin, who is pregnant herself in most unusual circumstances. Mary finds what she most needs. Elizabeth gathers and unfolds her, welcomes her, blesses her.
2: The poem is called A Blessing Called Sanctuary
6: by Jan Richardson from Circle of Grace. You hardly knew how hungry you were, to be gathered in, to receive the welcome that invited you to enter entirely. Nothing of you found foreign or strange, nothing of your life that you are asked to leave behind or to carry in silence or in shame. Tentative steps became settling in, leaning into the blessing that enfolded you, taking your place in the circle that stunned you with its unimagined grace. You began to breathe again, to move without fear, to speak with abandon. The words you carried in your bone that echoed in your being, you learned to sing. But the deal with this blessing is that it will not leave you alone, will not let you linger in safety, in stasis. The time will come when this blessing will ask you to leave, not because it is tired of you, but because it desires for you to become the sanctuary that you have found, to speak your word into the world, to tell what you have heard with your own ears, seen with your own eyes, known in your own heart. That you are beloved, precious child of God, beautiful to hold, and you are welcome and more than welcome
2: here.
0: We had a request during the week um, that we might sit and pray with people who themselves are carrying something heavy or hidden or burdensome during Christmas. So we thought this would be a nice moment to do that. We hope that this place, in some way or other, has a possibility of sanctuary. That not this building, but the community and the love that this community carries might be a place of strength and nourishment as we go out into whatever waits for us (laughs) in Christmas. Um... We've lit a candle here. It's a very feeble, dim candle, which, you know, speaks of the amount of hope and possibility we carry as a community. (laughs) It may go out at any time. But it is there, and it acknowledges for us that the divine, the spirit of God, that the generous one is present and among us, and I'm just going to get Kat to come and play a bit of guitar and maybe sing a bit. If you feel like you are carrying a burden or a responsibility or even a possibility, that feels like you need some sanctuary around you this Christmas to help you carry to help you carry it and to give you strength, then um, if you'd like, I'd like to invite you to come and light a taper candle. And place it on the sand, and then just stand around the table. Um, I'm sure there'll be more than one of you. And watch those glowing lights, and know that God is with you, and that we are with you. And then at the end, when everyone who has lit a candle, who wants to light a candle, has lit one, we'll pray for you. So as Cat sings, if that's you this Christmas. You're carrying something that you need sanctuary for, then please come. And light a candle.
5: Christmas. and unto under- two power and might oh
0: If you know someone well enough that you know they wouldn't mind you placing their hand on them and want to come and stand with them, then please do. We all hunger to be taken in. We all long to be nourished. We all need something beyond ourselves and sometimes it takes a great act of courage to even ask, to even open the possibility of hope. Advent is a time of waiting. So this morning we wait together on you. We acknowledge that your love is mediated through people, through art, through nature, through so many ways your love reaches us. Lord, this Christmas let it find each person who needs strength, who needs courage. Strengthen especially those who feel vulnerable before those who are supposed to be caring for them. We speak words of life. We say that each person here is beloved, is more than enough. We pray for the burdens they carry and the possibilities that await them. Loving God and you, let us be strong. Amen. Amen. Thank you all brave people. Maybe
2: seated. Act two,
0: Mary's voice. This is the short bit but it's pretty magnificent. We're going to read the Magnificat. We're going to read it twice alongside two images. First, we're going to read it alongside Christmas card Mary.
2: Hear her voice.
7: Mary said... My soul proclaims your greatness, O God, and my spirit rejoices in you, my Saviour. For You have looked with favour upon your lowly servant, and from this day forward, all generations will call me blessed. For you, the Almighty, have done great things for me, and holy is your name. Your mercy reaches from age to age for those who fear you. You have shown strength with your arm, you have scattered the proud in their conceit, You have deposed the mighty from their thrones and raised the lowly to high places you have filled the hungry with good things while you have sent the rich away empty you have come to the aid of israel your servant mindful of your mercy the promise you made to our ancestors to sarah and abraham and their descendants forever
0: Just sit with that for a moment. If you didn't know already, Sophia loves angels. So anytime an angel appears. (laughs) And she loves Mary too. A lot of statues of Mary. This next image is by a guy called Benjamin Wildflower who makes radical religious art.
2: I'm going to sit with this image and listen to this text again.
7: Mary said, My soul proclaims your greatness, O God, and my spirit rejoices in you, my Saviour. For you have looked with favour upon your lowly servant, and from this day forward all generations will call me blessed. For you, the Almighty, have done great things for me, and holy is your name. Your mercy reaches from age to age for those who fear you. You have shown strength with your arm. You have scattered the proud in their conceit. You have deposed the mighty from their thrones and raised the lowly to high places. You have filled the hungry with good things while you have sent the rich away empty. You have come to the aid of Israel, your servant, mindful of your mercy, the promise you made to our ancestors, to Sarah and Abraham and their descendants forever.
2: How does this image shape the way you see that text? For me,
3: it became more of, like a battle cry rather than a,
8: oh, this is so lovely and I'm so blessed. Oh, Like it was
2: a, yes, let's move forward. Yeah, let's fight. I just love how powerful she is compared to, like, five
4: minutes ago. We were talking about how disenfranchised and without agency she is. Um, And now she's, like, got her fist raised and is, like, crying out for justice. Um, She's so feisty.
2: Great. Great.
0: Because the last verse is reminding us of the promise that God made to the ancestors, to Sarah and Abraham for things like land and food and all the rest of it in the covenant. And I'm thinking of how this was made to men in the narratives of ancient Israel. And here in the promise being fulfilled, it's being made to women. And I just find that interesting.
7: as well when we were speaking before and saying like things are being done to her without her consent i feel like this image and just looking at it from a different perspective kind of shows like she is like co creating <laughs> a better term um like she's part of this and it wouldn't be possible without her so she's like a really essential ingredient in this whole thing so it's not so much like she's a victim but she's kind of like she's the leading lady like she's essential i think uh, before i felt like um it was a very self-righteous statement whereas this image kind of makes me feel like what responsibility Do we have to do this, like we're being called to do this and to cast down the mighty and send the rich away?
2: Yeah, I think
8: um, it definitely, when you change the picture, comes for me rather than a done to, but a done with and feels like a kind of of an echo of what, feel like the church didn't have a concept of until sort of Holy Spirit stuff started happening. But it's kind of that this is who you are and I am going to be that because I have you in me as well. It um, kind of feels like uh, I recognise that in you and therefore it's in me and let's do this together going forward.
0: As one of the rich people in the world today, I uh, feel this Image in this message almost takes on an ominous tone, and the mes- the the language of eternity, like the age to age and forever. I wonder a little bit: is it is it me that they're coming for?
2: Mm. Talking to you, North Roy. Right. Um, looking
0: at the image I viewed. Mary, a lot of the same way, I think we tend to view Jesus as being countercultural and brave and powerful, which is often the opposite of the common Mary narratives. It was a really powerful piece of imagery.
2: Um,
8: In the first picture, and almost harking back to what we're talking about about around Mary's consent, um, was almost like a, oh, yes, I am your servant, use my womb. And going on to this, which is like, I am your servant, use all of me. Like, yes, you need my physicality, but take my brains, take me as a human being and my heart, and let's create some change. Yeah, to bring about your kingdom. So it was almost quite that radical change of, as yeah, people have said, being quite a passive player to being that main person bringing about things not just from the um yeah from the yeah physiological thing of the the womb mm.
0: that's so beautiful um when you get a chance, have a look at this text around and look at joseph's role in this whole thing um sometimes forefronting women can feel a bit like a crap on men day and if you look at Joseph's part in this as um, supporter and champion and cheerleader of Mary's part in this, it's so awesome. <laughs> like it's like Joseph's piece in this, like that he he wields a certain amount of power to essentially distance himself from the whole thing and instead just jumps in on what Mary's taken on. And it's just really a beautiful image of, like, what life-giving relationship can look like. And just to remember, like, there's lots of power dynamics that play, that are at play here, and gender is definitely one of them. But the whole message in all of this is still that power is not abused. Um, yeah. And I think, like, folding Joseph's story into this, um, shows the beauty of power given over as well, which is really cool. Rad. Okay. That's us for today. There is your Advent gristle to chew over. Um, Feel free to play this at home. Um, I'll post up the questions uh, that we have been using um, throughout this bit of the series, Um, and you can bring them to other Advent texts if you like. We, at the end of services, eat and drink together. Uh, Sometimes it is in the ritual of the full meal. Sometimes it is in the ritual of the children's celery, questionable celery sticks and sweaty cheese cubes. Uh, This morning, (laughs) um, it's in symbol. This is a metaphorical meal of grape juice and cracker. Jesus said, remember me when you gather together, eat of my body and drink of my blood. This is a table of openness and welcome. It's a nourishing well, which all are invited to. So if you'd like to come and take a, um, two bits of Jesus, two bits of life, two bits of embrace, bits of self-giving love this morning. Um, You're more than welcome to. We take the symbols and we hold them until everyone can eat and drink together. And then we eat and drink together. If you don't wish to partake, absolutely fine. If you're just a little bit thirsty and a tiny bit hungry and just want to pretend, that's totally fine too. Um, But come, let's eat and drink together.
2: Loving God. around this table of life and ask for sustenance. Do what you've called us to do.
0: Sometimes that makes us vulnerable and sometimes that gives gives us the courage to shake our fist in the air at the powers. Whatever you are calling to us, be with us and help us to be with each other. In your loving name, amen.